0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And like I say, the first thing we are going to talk about is the changing face of Ireland. So, Ireland joined the European Union, as you will well know, 1973, 50 years ago. So, the CSO have compiled this uh, really interesting body of work Economic and Social Change in Ireland from 73 to 23. And I'm not going to go through all of it because there's great detail uh, in it. And I've got a, a couple of great guests with me to talk about it. But but some of them stand out. There's the expected inflation in, in average salaries and the cost of a home, although they don't inflate in tandem, which is interesting. There's the population changes. There's baby name changes. The, the the changing face of the economy. This one stood out for me. When we joined the European Union, one in four people in the country were working in agriculture. Today, it is only four Percent. I mean, that is a remarkable change uh, in Ireland in those 50 years. The great guests I mentioned are Alice Leahy from the Alice Leahy Trust, who's with me in studio, and Terry Prone, who's chair of the Communications Clinic. Um, Terry, can you paint a picture for me of the kind of progressive paradise that was Ireland in
1: 1973? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't caring. know what you're it's laughing so at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody recently said that my new book, it was a window into old Ireland. And I wanted to go and smack them because I had come through the swing in 60s, not that I had gained very much from the swing in 60s, but there was a sense at the time that Ireland was incredibly modern. And when you talk about the difference, for example, in house prices... It struck me looking at them that the average price in 1973, which was when I bought my first house with my, my husband to be, was something like 14,500. And Karen, what that doesn't cover is how much easier it actually was to get a, a, the money. For example, we went around to a friend of ours, Bunny Carr was his name, and said, listen, we've just seen this gorgeous little house in Baldoil and we'd love to get it. But neither of us had a job at the time. And Bunny went out into the hall. You're too young to remember when the telephone was always in the hall. <laughs> and... We could hear him talking to a pal of his who was the bank manager, Bank of Ireland, Fibsborough, and saying to him, Tosh, which was his pet name from Tosh, these people have no money, they have no jobs, but trust me, they will make money. And the following day, I swear to you, Karen, we had a mortgage. That simply could not happen now. Now you have algorithms that decide what prospect you have of making money in the future. And no matter who says that they have great faith in you, a bank doesn't give you money unless it's pretty well guaranteed. Mm.
0: So maybe that's one of the ways in which Ireland was a a better place. Certainly people listening might uh, yearn for uh, easier access uh, to a, a home loan. But in what ways was it... Not the progressive paradise, I suggest it.
1: Well, uh, one of the things that I did was introduce, I didn't do it single-handedly, but I did introduce Durex into Ireland. And at the time, there was no such thing as contraception, and the fight seemed to go on forever. And when Durex came to me, um, I said, well, what's the problem? Once the law changes, all will be well. And they said, oh, no, there has been such bad publicity that people are convinced that there's religious people who work within Durex who go around with needles, pricking them, you should pardon the expression, um, one in every thousand in order to give God a chance. And so they were showing us all of the tests that they did on, on condoms. And it was just it was kind of fairy ish that these things were going to come in and people were going to use them and nobody would have to have a baby anymore that they didn't want. There were a whole load of things like that that were happening, but at the time there was an unease, a sense that if you, for example, said something about the Catholic Church, you could still in the early 70s, have a priest comment on this from the altar and be disapproved of. Mm -hmm. There was a sense that there was an underlying power exerted by the Catholic Church in a way that nobody could quite put their finger on. But you knew that politicians kind of listened to those kind of phone calls. So there were certainly there was restriction out there.
0: Uh, Alice Leahy, I mentioned, is with me as well in studio. Um, Alice, w- what stood out for you in terms of the kind of remarkable change in our country captured by the CSO?
2: I suppose, first of all, I have to say, when I saw 1973, it suddenly hits you. You realise you're on this. I'm one of the swinging 60s girls, too, like <coughs> Terry. And um, th- that hit me. I, I think she's a wonderful piece. You know, piece. you know,
0: we're closer in time to the next swinging 60s than we were to the last <laughs> ones. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> yeah. (laughs) That was 60 years ago. It's only 40 to the next one. Time flies.
2: (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to frame this. I think it's a wonderful piece on the Examiner, a great paper. Two things struck me. One was people employed in agriculture because I grew up on an estate in rural Ireland and my father was the steward on that estate and his father before him. And all the men who worked on that estate, they all took great pride in their work and they worked so hard. And of course, like everybody else, they weren't earning that much money. And now I know in the area of agriculture, people are crying out for staff. And some of the people that get to work with them have to come from abroad. The other thing that struck me was the full-time students in third level education. Everyone wants to do a master's now. (laughs) Even people (laughs) who come in to me to talk about homelessness and you say, well, what what are you thinking of doing? Well, I'll do a master's. And I think we need plumbers, we need carpenters, we need electricians, we need all of those people. So I think it's interesting to see how many now are in third level education and I hope they will get jobs they feel they're entitled to get because they've a good education mm. but they may not. And the other thing that struck me of course was the names. I noticed John and Jack and my father was always known as Jack and Jack is still there. Yeah. And I notice Alice is uh, making a research. Yes, Rose, yeah. Alice, Henry, and Arthur are yeah, yeah. making a resurgence. So, Alice in Dreamland, so is that?
0: <laughs> it's it's funny the names that were popular in the seventies: uh, Raymond, Gerald, Cornelius, Geraldine, Jacqueline, and Deirdre. Now all out of the top one hundred. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah,
0: but some of those names like John and Mary they're still relatively popular. It's not as yeah. much. Uh, Mary has kind of grown in a bit of popularity in yeah. recent years, uh, but others like Catherine, Michael, Margaret, Patrick. They were very popular back then, but they're not out of the top one hundred. No, you still have plenty of Patricks no, and Michaels. No, um, around maybe uh, fewer Margaret's. Um, was there a sense? Was there a sense, Alice, that uh, you know that that you were living through a period of change in seventy three? So it's it, this is kind of framed around membership of the EU, but the examiner as well in that great piece they point out that it was the year that Dev stepped down as president at the age of ninety. Uh, Mm. The people voted to remove the special position of the church in the constitution and the ban on employing married women in the civil service was lifted. I mean, when you kind of lump all that together, yeah. there's an argument that 73 was kind of the birth of modern Ireland.
2: It was. And my whole life changed in 1973 because I gave up intensive care nursing and I went to work in Simon when we lived in... A, it worked in a condemned building. And I just looked back and for 120 hour week, we earned £3.50. And that would be 44 euros in today's wow. work. And I suppose even though I, I still... I'm still working in the area of homelessness. But during that time, I was living and working with, in a kind of an alternative world in the Ireland of that time. But the one thing I noticed when we joined Europe, everybody was going to Brussels to a conference and they were all coming back. And you had all these people sitting around a table and they had their flip charts, but they were all experts. And, they, and then the, the, the language changed and they were going to solve all the problems.
0: Oh, and yeah. where are they now? Well, uh, plus a charge. <laughs> I think there's plenty of so-called experts with us still. And um, Terry, if, if you were, this is maybe a difficult question. Now, if you were to take your average 20-something-year-old today and transport them back to 1973 in Ireland, what do you suspect they would find most alien? First of all,
1: the lack of a phone in their hands. Yeah. Uh, That's true, yeah. if, you, if you even look at footage or still photographs of Ireland, any of the cities, O'Connell Street, uh, now and uh, back in 73, the difference is that every single human today has a phone either out in front of them or clipped to their ears. The second thing that I would... Uh, have to introduce them to is no social media and I would expect them to have a double seizure at the very thought of that and I would be saying to them, folks, just give me three weeks, three weeks without social media and your anxiety will be gone three weeks without social media and your depression will be gone, your fearfulness you will be a happier person because even in an island that was poorer, more restrictive, more valley of the squinting windows where people were looking at each other, there was a, a much lower level of anxiety, mm. depression and mental illness.
2: Yeah.
0: Do, do you think that 1973 was an inflection point, Terry, when you lump all those things together? I don't remember Fintan O'Toole had a book out last year and he suggested 1958 was the birth of modern Ireland because of kind of TK Whitaker suggesting we open up the economy. I, I, I'm, I'm going to write a book refuting Fintan O'Toole's suggestion and, and I'm going to argue <laughs> it's 1973.
1: Let's hope your book sells as well as Fintan's <laughs> Um I think that 73 was a hell of an inflection point simply because of my own experience. In 1973, I got fired from a job in RTE, as did six other women, and we got fired because we were women. Women at that time were on short term contracts. Let me tell you what a short term contract was it was week by week. And the new head of features and current affairs, a man named Murish McGonigal, who had been head of current of uh, communications in the Labour Party, came in, and we all thought, "Oh my God, equality is going to break out! Women are going to do the serious interviews. We're going to have a woman newsreader, which we had never had." And he called us all in, and he fired us. And there was nothing we could do. The following year the European Union said, you can't do that anymore. You absolutely cannot fire anybody because of their gender. And that was a hell of an inflection point. It was at that time, too, that the National Women's Council began to ask questions about the assumption that had been ground almost into law that said things like you couldn't have a woman newsreader on television because if you did, uh, after the news bulletin was over, nobody would remember anything she said. They'd be discussing her clothes. And this was advanced by RTE management at the time. Remember, it was one-channel land as quite legitimate. And again, that had to be fought. I remember the 70s as a series of battles. And it was like, what's that game where a thing, poke mole or something, where a thing pops... Oh, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, thank you. Um, where the minute you hit one of them with a hammer, another one pokes up. And it was that kind of a decade where we were moving into uh, modern Ireland, but we were at the same time going Oh, gosh, you think that it's okay that this, you think, for example, Mm. that it's okay to have to ask your husband to sign a thing so that you can get a library card. That's within living memory. Alice Lee remembers that
2: time. So do I. I do, Terry.
0: Well, there's a a great text (laughs) in here. You mentioned Jurex, Terry. Uh, Someone has gotten in touch. I and a few other lads. We bought Durex in 1977 in Ireland from the News of the World small ads, 6p each, and we sold them for 75p each. And we made good money. We probably didn't know a thing about them. Wish I'd kept it up. I would have been rich. Alas, all that happened, we were caught and expelled from St. Nathy's College in County (laughs) Roscommon. Entrepreneurs. Uh, Entrepreneurs are to be commended. 087 1400 106. Thank you for that uh, text. Uh, Alice Leahy, thank you for your time. Uh, Alice from the Alice Leahy Trust, uh, who popped into the studio. And Terry Pro and chair of the communications clinic. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.